good? Nice. All right, good morning. So I get to do double duty today. Didn't necessarily plan on that. And it's, it's funny, the, the weeks that you're already busy, do you know that it can get busier? It's, it's what happens. It's like, you know, you make, you, you have all these plans of what you're going to do. And then like all the, all the other things that you didn't know that you had planned come along. And they make more plans for you. Uh, but it's good. It's good. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, love within the context of saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are finishing up our series on uh, called The Invitation, but the invitation is specifically saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And as we've been going through the last couple of weeks, um, looking at the story of the birth of Christ and the different, uh, the different characters existing within that story at that time, uh, how they all said yes to God, how they all said yes to God's promises and to God's word. <clears throat> and I want to start by uh, I want to start by reading the key the key text for today, and it's the angelic prophecy uh, of Jesus's birth that comes out of uh, the book of Luke. Um, probably the more detailed uh, version of this story. And right in chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 27, I think, if I missed that, I'm sorry. <clears throat> or maybe 26. I'm starting a little ahead. So it says, During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. I am reading out of the Passion Translation, by the way, just for Martha's sake here. She wanted to know. She was looking at me. She was giving me that look. All right, anyways, verse 29. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, but how could this happen? I am still a virgin. But Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your aged aunt Elizabeth, she's also become pregnant with a son. We talked about that last week. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded, saying, this is amazing. Would you say this is amazing? Yeah. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. 
May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this story. We thank you for this account that has been recorded for our benefit. Lord, for the benefit of the world. To know that you are holy. That you are the one true God. That you are the one who has come to be with us. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Touch our hearts. Touch our minds right now, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what a way to cap off the series, reading the scriptures detailing God's word to Mary, the mother of Jesus, through the angel Gabriel, and, and even that, the response from Mary. I mean, just consider that. The, the, an angelic visitation, no less, you know, that's no less uh, amazing then as it would be now, yeah? And in their context, they, you know, this was, this was not a, um, you know, I'd say in our Western worldview, you know, the, the idea of angels, <laughs> the idea of the, the heavenly host, the spirit realm, as it were. You know, to many people, it's, it's foreign, but, you know, it's even in, um, you know, in science, secular you know, worldviews, there's, there's more of an openness to the things of the spirit and, and, you know, angelic entities than ever before. <laughs> you know, you start getting into things like quantum physics and science and things of realms that you can't see. And just thinking of all this, trying to process, even as you read this through your own worldview, looking at the scene like, but God, why? <laughs> God, like, why did it have to happen this way? Like, just in such a profound way. And I, and I look no further than probably one of the most infamous verses of Scripture to look at why would God do this? Because so like, I have to go back to the motive. I have to go back, like, God, why in this way? Why, you know, like, what is, what is the reasoning behind this? And it's because of God's love, as we're talking about today. God's love, because God is love. He embodies love itself, and in the most, uh, I, I was referring, the, the most uh, infamous scripture would be probably John 3.16. Many of you are familiar with it. You know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believed in him would not perish, but have eternal life. And, and so I want to read this because it's, it's interesting. In light of that scripture, I want to read it in a bit of its context. Uh, so I'm going to skip to John, uh, the book of John in chapter 3, reading from verses 14 through 21. And I'm still in the Passion Translation here. And it picks up and it says, uh, And just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed, that's referring back to an incident with Moses with the people of Israel, the people of God, so the Son of Man is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in him will not perish but be given eternal life. For this is how much God loved the world. So here is the opening. This, from here on, you know, God loved the world. This is what he did. He gave his one and his only unique son as a gift to us. So now everyone who believes in him, being Jesus, will never perish, but will experience everlasting life. And then it continues into that. It says, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. 
So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him. But the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they don't believe in the name of God's beloved son. And here is the basis for their judgment. The light of God has now come. The light of God has now come into the world, but the hearts of people love their darkness more than the light because they want the darkness to conceal their evil. So the wicked hate the light and they try to hide from it for their lives are fully exposed in the light. But those who love the truth, they will come out into the light and welcome its, its exposure for the light will reveal that their fruit, fruitful works were produced by God. And I include that because this is, it's God's love revealed in his light. <laughs> that Jesus being the light of the world to come where there was a, a great darkness, where there was a grim uh, despair. And so God chooses to send his son into this world and not to condemn. And I know in the church many have been, uh, you know, Traditions, you know, kind of people have been beaten up about how horrible they are. And, um, and yes, sin in, in our fallen world, that's, um, you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't need to wait until Christmas to celebrate the coming of Jesus, right? You know, it, it's a time, it, it is a time that marks just the, uh, that reminder, though, that, that story of what, what God has done when he came, when he manifested as a child, when he was born of the Virgin Mary. He was the light of the world coming into the darkness to reveal God's light. And so it's, it's God's love that compels him to do that. It's his love by which he comes to us. And so even in this uh, declaration of the angel over Mary about this awesome, uh, uh, Pastor Dick has a cool paraphrase. I didn't, I didn't track it down, but I felt like the, the scripture was pretty... Um, pretty well written, just talking about how the Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness would overshadow Mary. And the thing that amazes me in this is a couple things. It's, it's the response of, of Mary, um, well, first the response of Mary, but then also um, the response of Joseph. As Joseph is the one that Mary is engaged to, and I, and I do want to jump to this uh, scripture because I think in, in kind of wrapped into all of this, seeing how God's love is, is working through people, through ordinary lives, through, through things that it's like, uh, you ever had a situation, why, why me, Lord? Anyone ever said that? Why is this happening? What did, what did I do? Anyone ever said, what did I do? You know? So an angel comes to Joseph, and this is out of uh, the book of Matthew. So we're, we're kind of jumping around the different gospel accounts to get the full, full picture here. But in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 23, um, this is the angel coming to Joseph. And it says, this is how Jesus, God's anointed one, was born. His mother Mary had promised Joseph to be his wife. But while she was still a virgin, uh, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Her fiancé, Joseph, was a righteous man, full of integrity, and he didn't want to disgrace her. But when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. While he was still debating with himself what to do, he fell asleep and he had a supernatural dream. 
an angel from the Lord appeared to him in clear light and said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived a child in her womb. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Savior for he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sin. This happened so that what the Lord spoke through his prophet would come true. Listen, a virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son and he will be known as Emmanuel, which in Hebrew means God became one of us. Now, it would be one thing if Mary came to Joseph and said, hey, I'm pregnant. I don't know how it happened. Um, I, I think, it, you know, we sometimes read these stories and think like, oh, okay, this happened in like some fantasy realm kind of thing, you know, because it was from long, long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. And, and we have to read it as if like, nope, this is like real people, real talk, <laughs> real circumstances. You know, a, a barely teenage girl comes to her fiancé and says, oh, hey, I'm pregnant. I don't know, it, you know not, I don't know how it happened. I'm just being facetious there. But the, she does know how it's going to happen and how it happens. But the person that you're betrothed to has to actually believe your word. <laughs> and I would, I would have to think that up to that point, he wouldn't have, Joseph wouldn't have had, had any reason to, to not trust Mary. I don't know. I mean, I can't, I don't want to read into the text. But it does say that Joseph, like, oh, I'm a man of integrity. I'm just going to break off the engagement so that there's, you know, no disgrace, nothing. And it, but it says he was still debating with himself what to do. So he hadn't quite made up his mind yet. And I love how the scriptures give us the struggle. I love how even in the midst of that, like, a, you know, a God promise, like God's in the midst of something. Like, how many know when, when God's in the middle of something, it can be very messy? Like, this, this story is, like, one of the most, like, God is in this. And it's, like, human conflict and struggle and, like, are you lying to me? And, like, I don't want to do this to you. And, and like, God, why me? I'm, you know, like, I'm just a girl. And the, all of these things that are very tangible, real human reactions. And yet in God's love, he, he sends an angel. He brings a messenger. He gives them prophetic promise. He gives them like a promise of what is to come. And, you know, the, it's interesting that Joseph, you know, so they, I mean, if, if you continue reading, you know, like they, they live happily ever after. No, that's. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that he, he didn't break off the engagement, he took the, the word of the Lord and he took it and he ran with it. And they, and they figured it out together. And I love just think that idea of God's promises coming to us and, like, people coming together, whether it's a couple coming together, a community coming together and being like, no, even though in the, in the face of this, we, like, we don't really understand what's going on, we're going we're gonna to trust God. We're going to take God at his word. And then I think of Mary's response. And I look at Mary, and it, it ju the, the thought that came to mind was, like, no matter who, you know, Mary saw that no matter who she was, that God could use her. You ever filled out a job resume? And, like, no, it's, it's seriously, it's the word. Like, I haven't had to do one in, like, over a decade, so that's kind of nice. Um, and, uh, but, like, you have, to, you have to sell yourself in a way. You know, you're like, all right, I've got to 
got to dust off the resume, you know, and like fill out all my accolades or things that I've done or can do. And, and you know, it's like, how do you, how do you like fill that out and come across without like overselling yourself? You know, making a big deal of it. And, you know, and it's interesting because most employers, if you're, if you're applying for a job, they'll, they'll assume you're available. You know, they don't think you're going to put in a resume and find out like, well, I'm like not available six months out of the year, sorry. Um, but what they want to find out when you, they get your resume is, is you know, what are, your, what are your liabilities? You know, what would make you unsuited for the job? You know, what are your abilities? Like, what skills, what talents do you have that would help you do the job? And see, God, God doesn't operate that way. You know, Mary came to see that no matter who you are, God, God can use you. You know, they say God isn't necessarily interested in your ability, but he is interested in your availability. As we're saying with the series, we're saying yes to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, because we live in this kind of a world, you know, we think like, okay, how do I come across to people? How do I, how, you know, like, am I, am I qualified? And I think in this situation, God's word comes to, comes to Mary, and it's like, at that point, it's God's word. It has nothing to do with who Mary is. It has everything to do with what God has promised. You know, God's promised her that she would be the mother of Jesus. And I think of the reason she could she could have given um, she could have given many reasons why no no Lord not me. Because remember we get to, we get to the end of that scripture I read at the beginning and she said hey whatever whatever you say you know let it be according to your word some scripture you know some versions say. You know, but she basically said, yes. All these things you have said to me, yes. But think of this, she was young. You know, most scholars say she wasn't even a teenager. She was like right at that point. May not be like some of the Christmas movies you've watched or something, I don't know, with like Mary, she's like 40-something or whatever. Um, you know, did I say 50-something? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not stepping on your toes, I'm just saying. But we could look at a girl that young and think, I don't know if God's going to use her that way. Just being honest. You know, we could look at a teenager and like think, all right, like, I mean, they could eventually do something, <laughs> Right? You laugh because it's true. <laughs> but, but also, Mary was poor. You know, I mean, if you continue to read into Luke in, in the second chapter, Mary and Joseph, they took the baby, you know, to the temple to be circumcised. Uh, to do so, they were required to bring one of two offerings, uh, you know, uh, either a lamb, burnt offering. The parents were uh, too poor to bring a lamb. And, you know, they could instead uh, bring a couple, a couple turtle doves. I think there's two turtle doves. Pigeons. Mary and Joseph brought two doves. They were poor. They were, they were given the second option. Um, and, and we could look at a family like that and think, well, maybe uh, they were too poor for, to, to take care of Jesus. But God didn't think so. So she was young. They didn't have that much resource. Oh, oh yeah, and she was from Nazareth. See, Nazareth was a, was a town with a bad reputation. 
Can you think of any towns around here with a bad reputation? I didn't say name it out. I said think. <laughs> you guys. See, in John 1, when uh, Nathaniel learned that Jesus was from Nazareth, this is what he said. It's recorded in Scripture. Can, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It's recorded. I mean, like, that's what they, like, so there was already the mindset, the worldview of, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm not going to say it. But, I mean, I have people, like, you know, growing up in, you know, maybe like Podunk, New Hampshire, you know, like, people think they're going to get out of here and do great things. Or, like, as soon as I get out of this town, oh, boy, I tell you what, I'm going to do this and this and this, you know. And, uh, you know, but because certain towns have a reputation, right? That's just, that's just real. Certain towns have a reputation, you know, or when you find out someone lives there, you're like, oh, mm, you know, like, wait, you live in, you live in what part? Oh, okay, all right. No, 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 not judging, not judging. No. Um, but so she was from Nazareth. There, they, it's recorded. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's a pretty brash statement. And so you and I might have thought, no way, no way, no telling what this girl grew up seeing or hearing uh, you know, in a town like that, and, and God took that into consideration. I love that. See, God, he'll just do stuff to, like, mess with us. She was young, she was poor, she was from Nazareth. I mean, a, a bunch of characteristics that we might have thought would have made her unusable by God. But God chose Mary for one of the most important callings anyone has ever received, to carry God in the flesh in her womb, and bear him into the world to watch him come up to adulthood and then to even see him die. See, through her choice, we see that no matter who you are, the Lord can use you. So we can have all these reasons of why God can't do something. I know I've said that in my life. Oh, God can't do, oh, I don't know, I know people have encouraged me in this. Oh, I, don't know if, I don't know if that was the Lord, you know. Um, you know, but it's limiting God. But I found that if, if, uh, if we trust him, he can use us. But here's another thing. Mary, Mary uh, she saw that no matter what uh, problems she faced, that the Lord was with her. You know, read that in the, in the promise, um, in the promise of the, uh, what the angels said to Mary. Now, he says this, like verse 28 in that Luke 1 scripture. After saying she's highly favored, he says, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And, and there are just some things you just don't want to go through alone. You know, Christmas, for instance. I, I, don't, I don't know of anyone who necessarily likes to spend Christmas uh, all by themselves. You know, it's, it's kind of a natural thing to want to share and celebrate and be around people. I, mean, I mean, that's what I grew up around. And... Uh, you know, but we don't like to go through trouble alone, typically. Um, you know, if you get sick, it's nice to know that someone come visit you, right, to comfort you. Um, you know, if you lose a job or you lose a loved one, you know, you need someone with you to help you make it through, right? There's just something about that, that camaraderie, and it's the one person you need more than anyone else when you face problems is the Lord. And so Mary saw that no matter what she faced as one of God's children, that God was with her, and promised her not to, not to fear. 
So they go through a bunch of different things. I mean, first was the real possibility, going back to Joseph's response, you know, that, they, uh, that he might divorce her and, you know, like questioning that. Um, Mary would have no doubt feared the, the possibility of, of rejection. You know, she, uh, they, the uh, legitimate fear of, of ridicule in her community. I mean, all these things that you would think like, man, if God was like promising something and it was all like, oh, it's, oh this is totally God, man. This is, this is the Lord. Like, the Lord's just, his hand is upon me. Like, they're facing some real pushback. Can you think of a time where God has given you a promise and you're like, whoa, I don't know how that's going to fly. You know, I know people who have, who have felt like they've had a word from the Lord, they've got counsel, they're like, man, I'm really solid in this. And, I, and all I can think of is, is my family that went to New Zealand. You know, most of you know, know the Abbots, and I bring them into this because they are family, and I bring it up because they're coming back, so that's why I'm happy. But Jeremy, my, uh, my, Jeremy, my, my brother-in-law, my, my best friend, and even when they're like, hey, we're going to New Zealand, it didn't make it any easier to be like, oh, yeah, because God said so. You know, and sometimes as a Christian, you're like, hey, well, if God said it, okay. You know, it's like, it doesn't, it, it didn't, it's funny, reflecting back and thinking of this and what they had to process, it's like, just because God said to do something doesn't make it any easier. Actually, if anything, it usually makes it harder. Because <laughs> it means you have to give up something of yourself. You may have to, like, lay down your pride, what people think of you. God is with us. And then finally, Mary, she saw that whatever God promised, he'll do it. That's the good, that's the good news. Can we read that? Can you put up a verse, uh, Luke 1, verse 34, I think? Here, I want to reread that because I have just a few minutes I can do, I can do this. Luke 1, verse 34, I think. Do we have it? All right. Well, either way, I'm going to read it. Oh, thank you. Nice. So Mary said, but how could this happen? I am still a virgin. <laughs> and Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, and you will be called, uh, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your aged aunt, Elizabeth, has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded, saying, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. <laughs> Now, and like I said earlier, now that didn't sound any more usual or likely back then than it does today. Um, but you look at Mary's response. You know, I am, behold, the servant. I am your servant. I, you know, like, I'm, I will be his servant. And she goes on to say, it'll be, well, I'm thinking of my own, but may everything you have told me come to pass. So even though the angel's news was pretty unbelievable, she believed it. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily say that Mary understood everything. Does it say that? Like, 
And I think sometimes we will be like, well, like, I don't know if that's God, and I don't know if God would want to use me in that way. And you know, sometimes we feel like we need to, you know, we need to understand uh, everything before we actually move forward. But understanding isn't the same as faith. I mean, think about it. She didn't know how a virgin, like, so if you're trying to use your natural mind, (laughs) how is this going to happen? I haven't had sex with a man. (laughs) How is this going to be possible? But she believed that no matter what God promised, that he would do it. He would do this thing. And even after all these centuries, Jesus' conception, virgin birth, it remains impossible to understand on human understanding. It's still confounding, even as we read it now. It's been read for thousands of years, and it's still to this day just as impacting. But the real issue is not whether a virgin can conceive. It's, is anything impossible for God? You ever read promises like these and think like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, like that's going to happen. See, what we have to do is like what Mary did, believing God's word, saying to him as she did, let it, let it be, let it, everything come to pass as you've said, Lord, and trusting in it. And I, I think looking at that response, just knowing that no matter who you are, the Lord can use you, no matter what problems you face, if you belong to the Lord, he is with you, and no matter what he has promised, that the Lord can do it. That's what I'm praying That's what I'm praying is burned into our hearts this Christmas, is looking at the response of Mary and and looking at God's love and how he he so loved this world that he decided to do an impossible thing to be the cornerstone of such an amazing story. You know, that God would become flesh, that he would manifest, that he would dwell among us. And that his love would shine through. I had a. Um, yeah, all right, I'm wrapping up. Hmm. I want to end with this interesting. Uh, I, I found this interesting take on the scriptures in First Corinthians 13. It's the sometimes called the the love chapter. Some of you would be familiar with this, and if you're not, you can go ahead and read it so you actually know what the scripture really says, so please do that. I'm not, not committing open heresy up here or anything. Um, but I thought it was interesting. Someone wrote this in light of Christmas. I figured it's, it's Christmas, you know? And th- this was the rewording of 1 Corinthians 13. It goes like this. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shining balls, but I do not show love to my family. I'm just another decorator. If I slave away at the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not show love to my own family, it profits me nothing. 
If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crystal snowflakes, attend a myriad of holiday parties and sing in the choir's cantata, but don't focus on Christ, I've missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the husband. Love is kind, though harried and tired. Love doesn't envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and table linens. Love doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful they are there to be in the way. Love doesn't give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who can't. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Video games will break. Pearl necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But giving the gift of love will endure forever. I didn't write it, but I thought it was good. But isn't that what Christmas is about? It's God gave us the gift of love. He gave us the gift of life, the, the light of the world, the, the, the precious baby Jesus, who didn't stay a baby Jesus. But he was the gift of God's love. Jesus is the manifestation of God's love. 20-something 20, 20 centuries later, he still has no other plan. Plan has not shifted. Plan A is from the foundation of the earth, still in, still in motion. And he's looking to us to share this message. He's, he's entrusted us with this gospel message. This, this Christmas, don't just let it be about, you know, trying to do everything you can with the family. And, and you know, it, it gets so busy around this time. But I would encourage you, tell them about God's love. Know that God loves you and share that love with another. That is the most important thing this Christmas, is that people know that God loves them and he sent his own son into the world that they would know him and believe. So let's enlighten people to this truth that God really is with us. When you stand. Just wherever you may be this time of year, whether, you know, whether things are amazing and you've got great plans or you were just, you know, I don't know, you got in a fight before you got here, I don't know. Just r real talk. <laughs> but I want to pray, and I, I just, you know, this idea, God, God's love. You know, there are people in this place, like we could talk about it all the time, but there are people in this place who still need to hear today, God loves you. God loves you. He loves you with a dying love as he gave his son for us. So let's pray and just ask the Lord for his love to be imparted here. And So, Father, I do. I thank you. I thank you for your glorious presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for your promise that you are with us. Lord, that what you say will come to pass, that, that we truly can believe, as the scriptures write, that with God, nothing is impossible. And even as we read of something as impossible as, an, as a virgin birth, Lord, let the, let the truth that nothing is impossible with you be something that just so saturates our very being that we would know in the midst of this circumstance I'm going through that my family's in, you know, whether it's financially or health-related or relationally, economically, 
that with God, nothing is impossible, that he can be trusted. He can be trusted with our children, with our families, with our jobs. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that in this place, there would be a grace to say yes to you. Lord, that we would say yes to you every time. That even when we don't understand, even when things do not make sense, the circumstances don't line up quite right, that we would trust in your goodness, that we would trust in your faithfulness, that you will see us through. So I welcome you. Holy Spirit, come. Rest in this place. Rest on the hearts and minds of those, Lord, who just this year, this season, may have been a struggle. Maybe 2019 wasn't the greatest year. But 2020 will only be different if the Lord's in it. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Just be thankful. The gift of God's love, his son, share it. That is part of our commission as believers, to share this good news. Make that a point, to share this with people this Christmas season. Go and be blessed. If you need any ministry for anything personal, come forward. Myself and maybe some others will be up here. If you've got kids, like I always say, go get them. They're upstairs. They need you. They depend on you. And go and have a great Christmas, you guys. We love you. Take care.